Welcome back to the Never Broke Podcast. Remember, our mission is to increase financial literacy, provide the tools necessary for financial freedom, enable people to achieve their life goals. We want people to live a life of abundance. We hope to not only equip you with the proper tools, but empower you to live a fulfilling life. Please know I am not a financial advisor, just a money enthusiast sharing my experiences and thoughts and ideas. This is your host, S. Today we have a special guest, a very, very special guest. Her name is Shelby. She's a photographer, a businesswoman, and a world traveler. Earlier this year, she traveled throughout different countries in the continent of Africa. And today we'll be talking about how she made this possible, her creative businesses, her creative business venture, as well as, um, as well as overall what's going on. She's also my business partner and a great person overall, but I'm going to let Shelby introduce herself. Hey y'all. Thanks for having me, Esther. It's always a pleasure. I'm Shelby. I, what am I? I am a creative, I'm a photographer. I work as well in the insurance industry as an associate broker. Um, I graduated St. John's University in Queens, New York, originally from Orlando, Florida. And now I'm here in Oakland, California, and where I'm currently based. Woo! She a Cali girl. She she is Cali girl. Okay. <laughs> World traveler. Like I said, well, well-informed, very intelligent young lady we have with us. Uh, so before we delve into the travel ventures and the creative businesses, I love to ask my guests their money story and the relationship with money, whether positive, negative, whether they grew up speaking about money, just their overall experience with money and finance growing up. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I grew up loving money, to be quite honest with you. I didn't come from it at all, but I love it. You know, I remember it's so funny. Like, I'll be very honest and open. Like, I used to, like, shop a little. <laughs> I didn't have the money. And, like, when I would go to, like, to uncles or cousins' house and they give me money, I'd be just like, oh, like, yes, money. Like, it was kind of like I kind of grew like like a little like greed with money and I kind of grew up at going into college knowing that and realizing I had to fix my relationship with money mostly because I didn't grow up with it right and yeah. there were people around me that did have it so there was that jealousy that kind of grew mm-hmm. um my parents um in my beginning of my life they did really well with money management but when the 08 crisis happened um we were one of the families thousands of families that were affected by it um and I know just throughout my life there's always been kind of like really big moments where money has shifted our life Mm. so like oh wait money shifted our life right and then after um after college when I went to college and I transferred to New York we lost our house and so money management I was never well versed in it um never very well versed in just like wealth generational wealth, yeah. investing, credit, school. I remember getting my credit card and being like, oh, I'm going to do really well on this. You know, the bank teller was like, you know, keep that 30% minimum. I'm like, got you. Maxed out all my credit cards. Uh, <laughs> That's real. That's um, yeah. real. By the time I graduated college, I was in debt, not only with loans, but with like credit card debt too. So um, it, it, it's been a journey with money. Mm. Let me tell you, it's been a journey, even in college. You know, I went to college. Um, my first two years was at University of Central Florida. And I was on a scholarship um, where I had surplus coming back to me. Nice. And that was not managed well whatsoever. What's a savings? 
what is that? You know, like I, I really just spent my money the way I, I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never really this pull on me to save. And I think really what it's like, what I think is saving is not really saving either. Okay. So what would you buy? I put money to the side, right? Mm-hmm. But that money will end up being spent some way, somehow. Whether in any, I didn't get my hair done or whether I didn't get my nails done. Like, let's take a 20, let's take a 30. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say throughout like college, it was just poor management. I would say I was very blessed because there were times where I'm like, how am I going to get through this or that? And for some reason, there was always money coming my way. Never, like I remember one time in New York where I, had like zero dollars in my account and then I get an email from my old job saying hey you need to pick up your last check and I was like huh blessings thank you <laughs> um but all that really changed honestly really post like not post pandemic because we're still in a pandemic but really after the pandemic and like having to slow down and not going out as much right and not getting your nails done not getting your hair done and I I, it was, it was like, it, I think for a lot of people, the pandemic rocked their world and it rocked my world for sure, because who am I outside of these things? Mm-hmm. There's outside these material things or what I thought that like the value that I placed on money. Um, and that really shifted. and coming in towards like the end of last year, I've always had like some type of budget, but never really stuck to it. And so it was towards the end of last year that I kind of like really was just like, you know what? This like, just like, I kind of entered like a new season into my life where I was like, I got to do what I got to do. And I got to a point in my life where I was just like, there was no other option. It was just kind of like, this is the, the way I'm going and that's that. And so I budget, I've been budgeting ever since last year. Um, I'm still struggling, but <laughs> I'm in a way better financial situation. I have such a, and I have a better relationship with money all around. That's um, good. Yeah. I love to hear the growth. I love to hear the growth because I, I think for us, it, it everyone looks like they're doing well. Um, yeah. And I think that's why I asked that question because it's like some people grew up poor. Like you went in college, especially you don't know who grows up like poor, quote unquote. You're mm-hmm. inviting people to things and like you feel like you should be doing things. So I think that's like, I love the growth aspect, the journey of like, yeah, I spent all my credit card, but you know, now I, I'm better. And I, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's a real. Off. I hate time. So <laughs> okay, woo. Okay, that's so okay. In the in the spirit of budgeting and figuring out expenses, how would you describe um, your ability to? Because you self funded your trip to Africa, so how would you describe how you did it? Um, and what was the mentality of, of it? But before you even get into the financial aspect of it, describe your overall experience, like what you feel you gained, um, the growth whatever you feel you gained, whether tangible or not from your experience abroad? Oh my gosh, there's just so many things. I think just overall, um, going to Africa was like a release. You know, coming from, you know, I stay, I stay alone, uh, one bedroom mm-hmm. uh, in East Oakland. This is prior to where I am now, but um and so being away from my family, being away from my friends on the East Coast and stuff like that, and now going to Africa with two of my best friends um, and being in another country, it was just, it was such a humbling experience overall, really and truly. I mean, we always hear like, you know, I think there's, I have like, it's like a mix, right? Because like 
I always hear like there's so much negative things that are coming from uh, about like Africa and its landscape. Mm-hmm. And you know, the minute I touched down there, I was just <laughs> peace. There's like this energy that just took over, like this like peace where it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm really on the motherland. It's absolutely beautiful. Humbling experience as far as like the chip on the shoulder that I even wear as American mm-hmm. and the privilege that I even had was something that I questioned immediately when I when I stepped foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I had to like really face. I never thought I really did, especially coming from like, you know, being black in America and, you know, not being privileged. Um, it's a different level. It's a different, it's a different yeah. Level. It's a yeah. whole different level. Um, the simplicity of, of life. Um, the love, the faith, the family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We were in Morocco for not even a week and we were already invited yeah. uh, by someone to their home to, and they were going to cook for us. Um, it was, I mean, it, I, I can't ex- like, it's like put it into words. It's like, these are the, the grounds that my ancestors walk. It gives me chills. Mm. Even learning about the history, we were in Senegal for a month and we learned that it was the largest um, West trading center for the Western, um, the, the West Coast. Um, and we were on Gory Island and just learning about, you know, the hundred slave houses that rested on this land um, and the millions of enslaved people coming in and then being exported out to Brazil to the Caribbean, to America. Um, and I couldn't just help but think like, wow, my ancestors were here. Mm. They made that journey and I'm, now I'm here. Yeah. And I'm able to tell that story and keep that alive. It's just, it, there was just, there was just so many profound moments in Africa. I think the biggest thing I learned that life is not problematic, we make it problematic. Mm. And that's the <laughs> big, big takeaway I get from, from, from being there. I wow. in Cape Town and I went out to a bar with my best friend and we're dancing, we're chilling. And then I walk out and I feel a weight change in my bag and my wallet was still lifted right out my bag. And my social's in there. Why did I have my social in there? It's like, <laughs> don't do that. Anyone don't, don't do, that. do that. Do not do that. But my social was in there. Um, all my cards were in there. My vacation, the only thing that I had at the house is my passport that was that was left um and so old me would have freaked out <laughs> um but when i was there i went ahead and blocked all my cards i was like looking online how to like manage your social security for credit filing and stuff like that and we ended up going to the beach and stuff like that and that was a release because it was right then and there that i realized that life is not problematic Mm. This, these kind of things are mostly inevitable, you know, like I could have wore a smaller bag, but if someone has a vendetta, if someone's going to do something, they're going to do it, whether it's carjacking, whether it's stealing, whether it's breaking to your house and stuff yeah. like that. And there is just so much bigger problems in the world. Being in Africa, the amount of wars, civil war that are, that is going on, yet there is no news around it. Mm-hmm. The amount of provinces that do not receive water or electricity yeah. They hear about it. The amount of young generations who are standing up and fighting for their rights for something as little as education mm-hmm. that we get for free. Yeah. So, yeah. 
it was like these are little problems that we and you make it to these big things and it's just like it's not there's just so much more in life there's so much more to fight for there's so much more to advocate for um and to to worry about um versus the small things like you know when i got back the really the catapult of this trip was from december when i found out that my landlord was selling the house and mm -hmm. i had to leave that was never that was like i was completely <laughs> like shocked i had no idea this is gonna happen my lease isn't gonna be up till july so it was just all these uncertainty and questions in the air and i'm breaking down and i just don't know what's going to happen um and if it's anything from that time in south africa coming up to now it's like everything happens for a reason everything happens for a reason it's all going to work out in the end mm. this i this this time where i i took to you know cry and have a tantrum just like oh my life is over have now has transferred into whenever something happens it's what is what's in my control what is not in my control and i'm no, and knowing literally knowing it is going to work out in the end i don't know how it's going to look like but it will mm, that's a woman of faith how yes that's a woman of faith before you know yeah and that's like another thing it just it really just strengthened my faith when i was when i was out there there were so many times where god was god was leading me and i was hesitating you know <laughs> i was hesitating yeah you know like we went to the in morocco we went to the safari mm -hmm. um that's far the sahara de desert well we thought it was sahara desert but they about to go see some dunes, some buggies some real nice looking camel who've been brushed <laughs> clean sun we get there it's night these camels looking rusty the man's kind of like being on them We're like yo chill come on man like the camera's alone and by the end of the night i'm circled around in a bonfire where on grounds there's so many beautiful tents posted up and there we're playing drums and singing i could have never imagined that i can imagine a dream but i could have never imagined that mm. and rising in there deep deep gratitude because I have learned to just relinquish control. I have learned to trust in myself, trust in my intuition, and follow blindly and allow God to take me where God is going to take me. Um, and every single time, it always blows my imagination. I, I always say, I could have never dreamed this up. I could have never dreamed this up. And so, yeah. That's beautiful. I'm not there yet in my life, but that's beautiful to see someone who is. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. We talked about the controlled and the uncontrollable finances is one area you do have control of. Yeah. So how were you able to fund this trip? Because I've looked at flights to Nigeria and it's easily a thousand, twelve hundred dollars So, and you went to multiple countries. You were in Morocco, South Africa, Senegal. You were, you were all over. So how were you funding it? Um, were you working? I know that, but were you working? Um, like how, how were you able to like manage your finances while abroad? Yeah. So from, so we work in still the pandemic, but it was towards the beginning of the year where flights were reduced. Um, vaccines weren't rolled out yet. So I will say that that definitely had an impact on prices at the time. Um, but it was just budgeting, straight budgeting. You know, I created an Excel sheet. I projected my finances. I 
put all my bills, all the things I had paid for. And then I created a list for the trip. I created like accommodations, putting a certain amount for that, making an average, just kind of doing research and just averaging it out. Going on Airbnbs and hotels, averaging that out, money for food, money for excursions, all that, and even cushion money if, if anything went wrong. Um, I literally planned every single dollar going going there. And when the thing about this trip was you had to be, you had to be flexible. You know, things changed really overnight. Your plans to go to Ghana, our uh, flight to Ghana got canceled. And it's not like <laughs> when you're calling um, customer service to refund your money, it's, it's not like America where you can just call up someone's gonna pick up and give you your money and refund it. No, people are giving you email addresses or giving you mailboxes to send and stuff like that. So most of the time we lost our money. Mm. Um, but that was just, they were just part of it, really. You know, it is, it's been funny to think that the plan that we had originally was, you know, we're going to Egypt, we're going to go to Tanzania and all these places. And we ended up only being able to go to Morocco, then shipping to Senegal, and then going to South Africa. And then the third wave kicked in. So especially during this time, we just really have to just go with the win and just accept it for what it was. Um, but I find that in that there was just so much beauty in, in it mm. because it was like going to Senegal. And just realizing, wow, we never even planned to come here. This was never on our radar. And it was my favorite destination we went to. Um, even South Africa and Cape Town. Um, we always had plans to go to Cape Town and Joburg, but we didn't plan to spend as much time there. Mm -hmm. um, and nevertheless, I never planned to have the photo shoots that I did out there. I never planned to meet the creatives I did out there. Um, even like going to Soweto and we did like this beautiful tour and like went to Nelson Mandela's house and everything. Um, it's just like all these things that happened. It was just because we were just like allowing it to be. Um, so yeah, it was just like just budgeting um, and sharing those information. So the people that I went with, you know, they had their boundaries, money that they can't go over and I explained my boundaries. And so that's really how we just kind of like managed it. Okay. So I have a follow-up question on that. What was, what was, if you're comfortable sharing, yeah. um, what was the overall budget for the trip? Ooh, overall budget. I don't know if I know the overall budget, but I will say for accommodation, it was about 600 fees for a month. So we do like, so we made it like almost like rent. So we'll say like rent is 600 a month. Mm -hmm. um, flights, you should budget at least 400 a month. A lot of times we were spending around 350 to 500 for a flight though. So there was a lot of, it was a lot of fine tuning. So it depends, like if my food budget was like 150 and we paid 500 for a flight, it was taking 25 or $40 off the food. It was taking this much off the excursion. It was, it was just like the way you manage it. I wouldn't say, I knew how the other girls managed it, but that's how I managed it. Was I was just like shifting around the cost and like, all right, well, I won't eat as much. That's bad. <laughs> that's really bad. I lost, I did lose a lot of weight when I was in Africa, um, unfortunately. Um, but fortunately, I mean, not really. Yeah, no, I got what you're saying. <laughs> but I think that's a critical lesson. So with money managed, like when, when it comes to money, and this is me just talking, um, mm -hmm. 
if you have a thousand dollars coming in, like that's a thousand dollars. So how are you define dividing the pie? And I think Shelby said something great. Like if I'm taking, and this is with your personal life, if you're taking twenty dollars from somewhere, it's coming from somewhere. So re being able to be flexible and reallocate, but still have the guidelines and premise of like a thousand dollars is still what I have at the end of yeah. the day is mm -hmm. very critical. So it's like whether you're planning a trip or not um, is something to implement in your life. And I love that she mentioned financial boundaries. I think a lot of people are not okay with that. And that's why you can't travel with everyone because right. there are some people who will easily spend money they don't have. And that's fine. You know, that's what credit cards are for. But it's like, are you willing to put yourself further in debt for yeah. a temporary, like, does it make sense for your situation? Right. No, that's, that's big. That's absolutely big. And I absolutely agree with you. I think another thing I always tell people is do your research. Mm -hmm. Like don't just settle for one thing, you know, like look around, um, yeah. find different means of transportation. There is different means of transportation. Is it as safe as like reliable as maybe like a car or a taxi or Uber? Maybe not, but you know, you're going to use your, your best judgment. Um, so yeah, we just, I would say just like, fine, like, there was one point where we were talking about Ghana and saying like, hey, if we get to Port d'Ivoire, we can then take a bus and cross over to Ghana. Unfortunately, that didn't work out because of the pandemic. Yeah. But, I was like, you wilded, you both. We would have saved almost $300 if we went that route. And so wow. it was like, again, it's like finding options, finding different ways to transport, finding different ways to be cost effective. Wow, that's beautiful. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick swing. You mentioned it quickly in your story about being able to um, take pictures and photograph and everything of that nature. So like we mentioned, you are a photographer. Um, how are you able to utilize your skill set in your being on the continent and being able to capture? She has very, like tangent y'all, she has very beautiful pictures that she's holding hostage. We're not gonna get into that. Um, but she she was really able to collaborate with a lot of people. So how are you able to build those bonds and um, use your creative skill sets? Just hitting people up. I think it's, it's, it's actually really funny because I get the question all the time. Like, how did you work with these people? Like, how did you know them? Mm. I, was like, I went on Instagram and I DM'd them. I took, I took a shot. I, I, it's, it's as simple as that. I think a lot of, and I, I come from that as well, you know, especially starting out in photography. Um, I was always kind of nervous to slide in the DMs, you know, for people to see, see it and like not reply or be like, no, or whatever. Um, but I kind of got to a point where it's like, it's better if I do than, than to say never, you know what I mean? Just shoot my shot and like, what's the worst that, that can happen? Mm -hmm. They can say, no, okay, move on from that. And so it was really shooting my shot in the DMs. Um, Morocco was such a great place to start. We made such great connection there. Um, and when we went to Senegal, um, the connection we made in Morocco, there were Senegalese. And so it was an easy link to Senegal where we met more people. Um, and I think it was just the the nature of people there. They're just so open. They're so, so just like friendly and inviting and warm. It's very much like like people raise other people's kids. Like it's like the like what's the community like, aspect. Yeah. yeah. It takes a village really to raise a child. When we were in Morocco, my first day there, my other two best friends weren't there. They were coming on a later flight. So I went walking 
and it's really funny because like whenever you like a lot of the the countries and it's very imperialism is so fucking real patriarchal at its finest you know I'd always be like oh you're a woman why are you walking alone and stuff like that I'm very much I go my intuition I am very protected by my ancestors spirits like I'm very much like if I feel like I shouldn't be somewhere I'm out but if I feel like I can hold my own I'll hold my own um and so the first night there I go into like Hem Ethna Square Mm -hmm. which is a very popular square in Marrakesh and there's like to the right there's a a strip where it's like all black owned um hair shop and it's, it's the Senegalese community Mm-hmm. And you have kids running around, um, you know, being fed and everything like that. And it's not their parents or anything. Um, and a lot of these Senegalese don't even are, are, they're not even really related. A lot of them who come from Senegal, they come into this community and they're just, they're just invited. And they're told, here's to do, here's how you get your shop, here's how you do this, here's how you do this, and here's where you get your apartment. And so just immediately, just being embraced by that was just like wow beautiful and they just embraced me immediately I told them I'm a photographer a documentary and they're just like oh yeah take pictures go for it you know and it, it's not like here they're like yo send me the picture or like that they're just kind of they like, don't care yeah they don't care yeah you know they're just like sharing space is so natural for them there is no like oh you're my bubble which I absolutely respect bubbles but it's nothing like that. It's it's they they want you. This community. I can't remember the um. Uh, so uh, the majority practice um uh, they practice Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, Islam. 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 Yeah. Islam. And I can't remember the branch, but when I do, I'll send it over to you. But really, that spiritual practice or concept is everything you have, you share. Mm-hmm. Everything you share. So you share your bed, you share your home, you share your food, you show it, you share everything. I remember being in Senegal and even one of the aunties that I stayed with, um, she had, she had an Italian husband and they actually moved their kids to Italy for less than a year. And she mm-hmm. hated She was like, one, they're racist. <laughs> and two, I don't, I don't like the way they live their lives. She's like, here, you can live in a in in a quarter with 15 20 people and it's okay it's absolutely okay it's fine because as family you share what you have yeah. and even for strangers off the street you invite them in um and just that was enough for her to return her kids to Senegal and raise them there so i'm up for sharing but i ain't sharing my bed um <laughs> No, that's, it's, it's, it's definitely a different in raising community and, um, what is it, uh, community economics in the individual, individualized economics of, um, the U.S. or Western society is very much, we're, we're surviving and building as, um, as a community, as a village, as a tribe, um, tribe yeah. it's very impactful, like being able to have that support. Extremely. Um, it yeah. really, it reminds me like that's very much how it is in Haiti as well. Um, and it's funny because I grew up having my own room. <laughs> so like I've never, I, I, I don't share easily. Like I'm not a sharing person. Um, like I, like my thing's cool, but like, I've just been, I've been, you know, financially independent since I was eight, like well, really 16. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know I've always had like my own space you know when you buy for one how long something lasts and then when a two comes along and like how you're always having why did I yeah like I thought I just bought this yeah I just bought this (laughs) or misplacing my stuff like it was right here I'm a control freak so that was something else that really helped with being I had roommates again so um I was called out like on day one when I didn't want to share something I was like ah you why would I use it though? <laughs> this is our <laughs> toilet paper. Yeah, I, I, I really have gotten better, but I'm not gonna lie. I do come home and I'm just like something I said about the toilet paper that you just mentioned. Yeah, it's like ooh, I got eight rolls. <laughs> A month later, ooh, I got seven rolls left. <laughs> Uh, no, I've had uh, plenty of roommates. That toilet paper is the one that gets me. I'm like, I just bought it. Why do I need to go buy another one? Yeah. It's... Toilet paper, paper towels, butter, like silverware. Yep. Yeah. The stuff that goes by so oh, quickly that you don't think yeah. about. Shampoo, conditioner, you know. how That stuff I, I don't share. Yeah, I, don't, I ain't yeah. sharing shit. <laughs> I actually had this, but that's like, you know. If it's one thing black women do not share, it's shampoo and conditioner. No. Mm-mm. You know how much I bought for the- No. Because, yeah. you know, products be so expensive. Yeah, very. I'm bald now, so thank God, but no. What? You want to you wanna use what? Yeah. I'll let you use my shea butter because that one I could get in bulk, but like the actual products, mm-hmm. arm and a leg. Okay, so- I think we covered a lot, but there's one thing I don't know if you're familiar with geographic arbitrage. Um, are you are you familiar? Should I explain? I kind of like looked it up a little bit. It's me about like trading and then like selling it again. Well, not trading. So so when I use when I use the term geographic arbitrage, we talk about the cost of living. So like you guys use the baseline of not spending more than 600 for the cost like housing right so when we when we introduce currency because you're using different currency in these right. countries um or are you able to stretch the u.s dollar more from your experience or would you say it was okay when we're talking about west africa mm-hmm. not so much west africa is expensive um it's, it's funny because I actually said I wanted to do research but when you talk about cost of living um it's very very similar it's pretty up there with New York prices. I think really if you're, so as a, like, as someone coming from here and going um, to Africa, right? Mm-hmm. You tend to go to sites that we're familiar with like Airbnb. Right. Africa has all like, like for example, Senegal has like their own sites that they're doing to rent out and everything like that, that you're not as much familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually also in a different language and there's kind of like uh, do I trust this how do I know I would say that if you know someone that knows the area that's like your best bet as far as like really saving money and really understanding the the market for for homes or mm-hmm. for um for vacation rentals um but as far as like Airbnb or like you know renting a car even food um, food was definitely pretty expensive compared to Morocco and South Africa uh, when it comes did, to the cost. Did you go to the market or you went to like stores? Or are you talking about like restaurants? I'm talking about markets, restaurants. You, you didn't haggle. No, you can't haggle. You I can't. said you didn't haggle. Oh, no, no, no. I did not. <laughs> I did. But you still have to understand that it's still 
I'm comparing it to Morocco and South Africa, where it was it's like, you know, for the price of the Airbnb or the price of food that you're paying. I mean, I think food, we got, a, you can get a meal in Morocco for like $3, $4. Um, it was really inexpensive. It's the same thing for Cape Town as well, and even the living. I remember in Cape Town, we had like a three-bedroom penthouse, um, and we were only paying $1,900 USD for it. That's what I pay uh, at my last apartment in East Oakland for a one-bedroom for like 600 square feet, 700 square feet. And so I would say like the stretching your money, you can absolutely do that. And I think that even before the trip, we went, we knew that as well, just kind of doing our research and worrying the prices. Um, but West Africa was definitely where we kind of struggled with Airbnb specifically because it was a lot more expensive um, in the areas that we wanted to stay in, which was like usually the city center. If we had went further out, absolutely, it would have been totally affordable uh, and probably a little bit under our budget. Um, but because we wanted to be in the city center, we wanted to be around people, we wanted to be around stores because we don't have a car, we don't have a license to drive out there. Um, and as well, because we're not familiar with the area, um, West Africa, and that, that's and I'm talking about that with like Senegal. If you go to Ghana, Nigeria, it's all going to be relatively expensive um, compared to East Africa, North Africa, and South. She's giving you tips, y'all. She's giving you tips. Thanks, oh. Thanks so, <laughs> <laughs> What would you say are some on the on the roads of tip? What what other tips and advice would you have for? other people planning trips, not just to the continent of Africa, but other places where it's an extended stay. You were out there for like, what, three, four months? Four months, yeah. Yeah, so like people plan an extended stay. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just gonna reiterate, like do your own research. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. I think I get too many questions where people are like, like how, like, you know, how did you, how do you go to like, you know, Africa and the, like the flight, it costs so expensive. Flight prices fluctuate, friends and family, they fluctuate. And so what is true for me is not probably gonna be true for you. You just had a flight to Nigeria for thousand dollars. Back in January, a flight to Nigeria was around 700. It's so, still up there. It's still up there, but that's $300 that can go to Airbnb. Yeah, right? yeah. And if you're talking about like, I mean, how, depending on how long you're going and the, the amount of time you're on a plane, I mean, it. it it's still up there. It's still up there. Listen, it costs money to travel, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying, and this is a tangent. Like, I think I booked a trip to Europe for, like, around 100 something. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and it's frustrating because for most African countries, you have to stop in Europe to, like, yeah. have layo. So, like, there's rarely, I'm not, there's not really a lot of direct flights. So, mm -hmm. it's like, yes, it's, it's, it's like depending on how long you stay, but considering the fact that I can get a flight to probably Italy for at least like 150 or 200, and I have to pay like three, four times that to go, like it's yeah, it's it's but money. Happens, but there's a reason it's set up like that too. Oh, there, I know. Is, there really is. I think just like being out there and just even like you know when we're flying, we're already in West Africa in Senegal, and a flight to Ghana is like five hundred dollars. Why? Africa yeah. is huge. I get it. But I think a big part of it is is xenophobia. It's like this, it's it's a way to really 
stop a lot of Africans, those who live on the continent, um, from traveling because many of them do not make standard living wage. Many of them. You have living wage, you have minimum wage in Africa. Yes, it does exist. Is it like America where it's like um, audited and people are really checking for it? No. Like I know, I know many, many stories. I heard many, many stories that a lot of those we were around were not being paid the minimum wage. They're being paid way under it. Mm-hmm. A lot of their government structures are not creating opportunities for the younger generation, but even the generation that exists right now. And a lot of them are not, it's, it's a whole lot. It's a, yeah. whole, it's a whole lot, but there, there is reasons why um, it's, it's really expensive to fly there. I also think it's, it has to do with just like the amount of actual flights that are being circulated in Africa as well versus europe and america there's there's a reason for it all yeah yeah that's that's a whole yeah but okay how would you how would you say um shelby is emphasizing research creating a budget having a plan in place but how would you say um you you had your job while you were working but like how would you say people are able to fund um, their trip if they're they're not necessarily working um, abroad. What do they call them, expats or something? Like people who don't work virtually or remotely, like would you say there are opportunities to make um, funds or money as easy? Like, you know, here you can like, okay, I'm gonna do Airbnb, I mean, not Airbnb, Uber or um, drop food or what would you say is that like that accessibility from your experience? I mean, I, I mean, you can like bring some stuff and sell it. <laughs> I don't know how ethical that is, but you could, you could do that. Um, I don't know if there's really, when I was there, I don't know if I necessarily know of anything other than selling mm-hmm. what means to really get by. Um, yeah, cause it's not like, I, cause I also would think like, okay, Maybe you can just like get a car and just like travel and do a road trip, but that's like even that's even like very difficult to do mm-hmm. because that's humongous. Yeah, right? it's not like yeah. a ten-hour drive to like oh we're at the state border in Nigeria. It's you would still be in the same country, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, you really would. So um, to work, and I don't, I don't. Other than other than selling, really and truly, I don't, I don't know any other um, trades. To take up on bring money bring money bring Save money bring money mm-hmm. okay what would you say this is like uh, two more questions but what would you say are the advantages and disadvantage of your overall experience advantages the advantages is definitely just like being out being out there mm-hmm. being able to travel being able to wake up and just experience life and I have to, you know, I still was still working, but I was working later in the day. Um, so it was just kind of waking up and doing what I want to do. That mm. was that was such an advantage. Um, speaking, saying things like, you know, I want to go to Africa, I want to do this, and actually going out there and doing it, advantage. Um, advantage, and my advantage is just being among the people. Um, really and truly, I think sometimes, like, I, I really enjoyed my experience there because of how you're able to immerse yourself in the culture. 
and the people and really be surrounded by them going out to dinners and going on excursions with those we met and stuff that is definitely an advantage um you know going to like it's like it's so different than going to like mexico where you're at like you know a five-star resort and like yeah families and no one really bothers you or anything like that you don't really like interact in that way um but being there you really were able to interact with the people um that was definitely an advantage um I mean, the advantage was definitely cost saving. I was able to save money. That was honestly another way I was able to pay off my credit card debt um, was with that I wasn't paying 1900 in rent, I was paying 600, right? And so I was able to really have that surplus and really um, um, eliminate my debt. My loans are still here and they're gonna stay here until Joe does something about it. <laughs> Be quite honest. <laughs> I'm not touching them. <laughs> So, um, disadvantage, definitely working. I mean, of course, that was an advantage as well because I had income coming, but disadvantage, I was working until like two, three o'clock in the morning. Um, and it just reminded me of just like capitalism and like why we're here and just like, like being there and seeing just the, it was kind of just like the, the, the construct, right? It's, mm -hmm. uh, and, and seeing how religion and imperialism was used to really denominate Africa. And that was definitely a disadvantage. Seeing women with babies on their backs in the hot sun up at dawn working. Every men, day, too, every not, day. Yeah, every day, every day. Every day. I'm not here to stunt on men, I'm really not. Because I saw men working, okay? I saw a lot of them sitting and doing nothing though. And people watching. And a lot of, and then when we're, when I'm talking about South and Senegal, a lot of them occupied the construction jobs and, you know, they were building more of kind of like these big buildings and attractions for tourism and everything like that. Um, the tourism is not as developed as most countries, but I think they're trying to get there. And that was another disadvantage to me. I know I come as a tourist as well, and it's kind of weird for me to say that, um, but it did irk my soul to to know that many of us tourists really believe that we are here bringing money to a country and that they need us to survive. I really hate that mentality. I truly do. I do understand the money and the jobs that it's creating, but I also know that it's erasing a lot of the culture, a lot of the tradition. It's bringing about this privilege and this chip on the shoulder that I have to check when you walk here and think that, oh, well, all this is for me. Mm. I hate that. That was it, a huge advantage as well. It's a double-edged sword. Tourism is, is a is a big industry that countries benefit from, but the 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 effects of people not being able to keep their culture is the side effects. Like how many other places have we gone to now that's like, oh, okay, you know, you know, we could use Tulum, for example, like people yeah. pretty much ruin that. So um, yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's like, it, it does help in the progression, but it's like, to what end and to what, to what end? Yeah. And you are really progressing. Because it's like another thing I, I understand, maybe, you know, you're putting food on a table and everything like that, but the people that, that, that are, are taking up these jobs, where do they progress to? What about the things that they want, their dreams? 
like being in Senegal, I was able to go to the beach at 7 a.m. in the morning and literally watch people way before then literally die in a cold ocean and just swim laps. People mm. running back and forth doing sports. Like it was just like, there was like a place to be, like the activity that was even taken there. It was just like, wow. To wake up every single morning, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, and to be on the beach working out or doing the things that I, I want to do. Yeah. Praying, meditating, like, whoa. I don't know. It's just like the simplicity of life that is just, it's beautiful. And for it, I don't know, for it to change with POS systems, credit cards, and like diners and just a bunch of white people filling up these beaches. It's a no for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if we want to end it on that note. We maybe 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 leave them with a little lighter note. Um I don't know if we want to. I feel like that's we could drop the mic. <laughs> We can, we can, we can end it. Um, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna give you um, some, some. <laughs> I feel like we could end it on. <laughs> Drop the you mic. There's yeah. nothing more to say. There's nothing more to say. Um, okay. I would say, okay, what, what, what I would say is like, I, I love, I love the surge of going back to diaspora. I love the information that is spreading about the wealth that is in Africa to buy land. Um, and return to the continent. Like I'm, I'm for it all. I love the imagery and the visuals coming out of the continent as well. It has inspired me as a photographer. Um, and I'm just, I'm just super excited for the, the future. The future is black. So. And on that note, we're gonna drop it. Shelby, thank you so much. <laughs> no, seriously, we're gonna. Um, Shelby, I think this has been a great interview. You've shared your story, your 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 amazing experiences. Uh, please let the people know where they can find you. All the socials. I'm gonna add, put it at the bottom, but let yeah, them know. Yeah. For sure, for sure, you can follow me at at shelves s h e i l b s on Instagram and um, my website shelby.com for my work. That's it. To stay up to date, ask questions or have future collaborations, follow us on all social media platforms, share this podcast with somebody, and rate us on wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, check out our website, www.neverbroke.com. We look forward to joining you once every week on this platform. Love you all. Peace.